God, you are good. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to church. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord with you today. As most of you know, we have a special guest speaker with us here this morning, Pastor Larry Stockstill. And I'm so excited to hear him speak, so excited for you to just be here with us. And Pastor Larry is such a, such a blessing. We're going to continue in our worship this morning as we sing King of My Heart. And how many of you know that we can't have joy in our life, we can't rejoice in the Lord at all times if we don't have the Spirit of God living inside of us, if we don't have Jesus as the King of our heart and we begin to dwell on the goodness of God and His faithfulness and His sovereignty. And it's our faith in who He is and who He is in our life that brings us joy and peace. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to declare that, God, you are good. And, God, we thank you that you are the king of our hearts. So let's sing and worship this morning. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from. Oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life. Oh, he is my song. You are good, good.
put our hope and our trust in you. We choose. We choose. Wednesday night, but we did make CDs, so make sure that you get a copy of that and get that word in your spirit, and then we had such a sweet time of fellowship afterward, and such it was such a blessing. I got so many calls and texts saying Wednesday night was such a blessing to my life, and so our next scheduled Wednesday night teaching will be the first Wednesday in October, October the 5th. We'll be following that same format, meeting from 6.30 to 7.30. So we invite you to mark your calendars and come out and be a part of that. Also want to remind our youth and the parents of the youth, they'll be meeting for youth service tonight here on campus, 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock. Pastor
Pastor Justin will be bringing a word. They'll be worshiping, and then they'll have pizza afterward. What teenager doesn't like pizza? So make sure that they come. They always have a great time in their youth services. Make sure your youth are a part of service tonight, 5 to 7. And then just in a few weeks, September 25th, We'll be having what we call our parent commitment service. Sometimes you've heard this in other churches called a baby dedication, but we like to call it parent commitment because what we are doing as parents is committing to raise our children in church according to the ways of the Lord. And you know, the Bible says raising them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So if you have a new addition to your family and would like to be a part of our parent commitment service sign up at the guest services desk it'll be happening the last Sunday of the month September the 25th and I just want to say our missions offering focus today we are super excited about it we are going to be giving to the surge project which is a ministry that pastor Larry founded over 20 years ago that has planted during his tenure there over 22,000 churches worldwide. And since his son has taken over Joel, that ministry has planted many, many more to date. But we're excited. They have pastors trained and ready to go to the field and plant a church. And it is so exciting for Eagle Heights to be able to partner with the Surge Project and to plant churches around the world and see the kingdom grow. And so we're sowing into good soil today for our missions offering. I am excited that Pastors Larry and Melanie Stocksteel are with us today. They have influenced Pastor Kevin in my life so greatly. You know, these days you see ministers come and go. They'll come in with a big puff of smoke and a lot of times they'll fade out just that quickly. But this is a ministry couple that has been in ministry over 50 years. In 2019, Pastor Lair was in ministry 50 years. You don't see that very often and have just stood the test of time with endurance and it's meant so much. You know, the Bible says, let those who rule well be worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. This couple is worthy of double honor today. And we met them, we were introduced to them years ago at Bethany Church when our children, Hannah was just a toddler in the three-year-old class. Our boys were six and eight in children's church. And I thought that Sister Melanie was super mom, and I still do. She had six children, she five boys and one girl. She homeschooled every one of them. They were little like our kids. They're a little ahead of us in the ministry, but they had small children too. And I don't know how they acted back at the house, but at home, they at church, they always seemed so orderly. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm a failure. Look at my three. And they fought all the way from Hammond to Baker. And what, what am I doing wrong? But they turned out okay. But 
they now, Sister Melly was telling me, have their 19th grandchild on the way. All six of their children are serving in ministry and just such a blessing. But as a young mom, as a young minister's wife, and as a young ministry couple, we watched their lives from afar. And I saw that they were just normal people. And I watched how they dealt with the sickness of a child, with the unexpected death of a family member that they were believing for complete healing for, and just how they dealt with the normal disappointments and pains that just normally come along with ministry. And I saw unwavering, genuine faith, and I saw stability model for my life and I saw integrity and I saw a love for people and something began to build on the inside of our lives and God used them to greatly influence us as a ministry couple and I will forever be grateful to y'all for that can we give them just honor today where honor is due ushers I'd like you to come forward at this time to receive our morning missions offering as we give to Surge to plant churches around the world and to continue to grow the kingdom of God. Let's stand, welcome one another. You'll have a few minutes to use the restroom and then we'll gather back in short.
Well, good morning, one and all. Good to see you in the house of the Lord today. What a wonderful time of worship. What a blessing from the Lord. Wednesday night was a blessing from the Lord. It refreshed me. It was so good just to get together with you and just talk a little bit in the foyer. We hadn't done that in quite a while and had that opportunity just like that. And so I'm so grateful for that. Well, it is indeed a privilege to have Pastor Larry and Sister Melanie with us today. I can't touch, amen, Pastor Lisa's, you know, I just... She, she outdid me again, Pastor Larry. There's nothing I can say. I will say this. Pastor Larry's been all over the world, ministered, ministered all over the world, but I got a little claim to fame. I bet there's not many people who has, have roasted a hot dog over a fire, <laughs> right, with Pastor Larry like Pastor Lisa and I did, and we always look forward to that. Pastor Larry's still full-blown, you know, in ministry, but more than that, he has a passion for Jesus that has not waned in any way. We ate lunch together not too long ago, and he was talking about every day he gets up and he prays Hebrews 12, amen, and just that passion for Jesus never waned whatsoever. And so I am so glad to have these guys with us today. And so let's welcome Pastor Larry as he comes today. All right, all right. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap. He's wonderful. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Let's really praise the Lord. Amen. It is uh, really an honor to be uh, back at Eagle Heights today, and we drove through the country to get here, and I love it out here. I love the countryside around Hammond, and then just see these beautiful buildings. You turn onto the property, and y'all have remodeled some buildings and got a new baseball field since I was here last. And Kevin, you're always building, brother. Always got something going on. But uh, Melanie and I are just super, super honored to be with you guys today. We love Eagle Heights because we love your pastors so much and their family. And I've been around a lot. You know, I go a lot. I was in Denver last week, church of uh, almost 5,000, and just different places around the country. But I go to Eagle Heights, and I just know that the stability and the, and the honor for Jesus and the preaching of the word and, and just the, the way that things are handled financially and in every way is such a blessing. And we got to share about 30 or 40 minutes before the service, and I just could see that, that green light spirit. How many of you enjoyed the worship up here this morning? I mean, it was powerful, really powerful. And uh, Josh is doing a great job too, Josh. I just appreciate you. And man, where'd you get a singing wife, dude? How'd you, <laughs> how'd you pull that off? I mean, golly, it's just, y'all, it's just a healthy church, and I just don't see that very much and we just want to uh, thank you for the privilege of being here melanie and i uh we're looking forward to this we'll get to eat with the pastor after after church and every now and then kevin and i get together and solve all the world's problems come on somebody <laughs> but uh just we, we just honored to be here with you it's just a joy you know i have not seen a church where they blow off the parking lot Every Sunday before the cars arrive, I, I have never seen that. <laughs> everything here is just in order. It's such a blessing. Do you love Jesus this morning? Amen. Lift up your hands and let me just pray with you. Lord, we're just so thankful for Jesus. 
Jesus, Jesus, we love you. Beautiful Jesus, our Savior, our King, our Lord. Lord Jesus, we abide in you today. And as I teach your word, open hearts, open ears, open minds. Let the word fall upon good ground and produce a great harvest. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, amen and Amen. I want to just uh, share with you this morning a message that the Lord gave me toward the end of last year. This has been a rough two years, you know, for the United States and all over the world. I have partners, and, you know, we've lost some of them to COVID lost some very great leaders around the world, in Mexico and India, different places. But it's just been tough. And uh, thank God we're emerging out of it. I knew that was coming in December because as I prayed, everything looked so dismal, so dark, so difficult. And the Lord told me 2022 is going to be a turning point year. I can feel that already. How many of you can feel some things are turning around? And I wanted to just uh, give you a, a thought from the book of Revelation to begin in chapter 22, where it says there's a tree of life in which uh, there's all manner of fruit every month, a new fruit. In fact, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. Now, I know in heaven there's no time, but I find it interesting that, that the word month is there, that every month there's a different fruit, maybe an apple one month and a, and a pear one month. I, I have no idea, maybe fruit we've never seen. But the thing that struck my heart was that God has a miracle every month something fresh and something new. And so when I entered this year, I began claiming a miracle every month. And I want you to do the same thing. We're here in September already, and I'm, I've been believing, and we have had tremendous miracles this year in many, many areas. And I'm gonna talk today about four or five areas of miracles that I've experienced, and I want you to begin asking the Lord every month for a miracle in one of these areas. Now, one of the things I found out about miracles is like that fruit. You know, the fruit is hanging on the tree, but somebody's got to get a ladder and go up there and pick that fruit. It Fruit somehow doesn't just fall on you. It doesn't can itself. It doesn't make itself into pies. Fruit is something that you're going to have to go get it and pick it and can it and eat it and make it into pies. And I was thinking about the children of Israel when they got the miracle of the promised land. And actually, when they came out of Egypt, God said, I've given you the land. And as they got closer to it, he said, it's yours. I've, I've given it to you. They send the spies and all that, but I know they're giants there, but I've given you the land. Well, Unfortunately, what they received by grace, they could not seize by faith. And this is a premise I want to talk about this morning, is that everything God has for you, everything, he's already provided it by grace. The cross provided our salvation from sin, our healing from disease, our deliverance from demonic oppression, 
our infilling with the Holy Spirit, our financial blessing that he said, my God will supply all your needs. But if you just say grace has given it, but you don't let your faith rise up every day and take it from the devil. Because if you look at Israel, when they got ready to go into the promised land, what really bothered them was there were giants there sitting on their blessings. And if you don't think you're going to have to move some giants off of your blessings, as my sixth grade teacher said, you got another thing coming. Because <laughs> the devil guards big treasures. And the things I'm going to teach you on this morning are big treasures. They're big things that God has for you. They're miracles hanging on that, that tree of life. Every month, God wants to be just blessing you and blessing you and blessing you. But you've got some giants that you've got to deal with. And when you make up your mind, I'm going into Canaan, I'm going into the promised land, I'm going to have my blessing, I'm going to get what God has called me to get. And you take it away from a siege complex, like the devil's taken over to a siege complex. I'm going to get what the Lord gave me, even if it's the good fight of faith. You know, there's a scene in a movie where the president of the United States, his plane has been captured by terrorists. And he's fighting one of the terrorists on the tailgate of that plane. The last terrorist, a terrible guy. And they're fighting, and it looks like the president's going to get thrown off the plane, but suddenly he finds a way to wrap a rope around the neck of this terrorist and shove him off the plane. And you see the last terrorist dangling off of the plane, the, the, the president's plane, and he's back there, and then this scene cuts to the president's face, and he says a classic line. He tells that terrorist, can anybody remember what that line is? Get off of my plane. Get off of my plane. You know, I have thought about that very often in terms of the devil. He will commandeer and take over what belongs to you and to me. And we're going to have to tell him, get off of my family. Get off of my finances. Get off of my emotions. Get off of my relationships. Get off of my ministry, my purpose, my calling. And that rising up inside of you. Come on, everybody say rise up. Rise up. That, that rising up. Maybe you're here today battling a disease in your body or you're going through a financial problem or something with your kids and you've just been waiting on God. And I got news for you today. God is waiting on you. He's already done it. Something in you must rise up and say, devil, get off of my plane. Get off of my life. And let me just take you through four or five of these blessings. And they're all found in one little psalm. Psalm 112. I love that psalm. I love it. It's only 10 or 11 verses. But it's an acrostic psalm. If you know what an acrostic is, that means every verse or phrase starts with another letter of the Hebrew alphabet, like A, B, C, D. Every verse starts with a different letter. 
and their alphabetical order for the Hebrew alphabet. So it's an amazing song. But it starts by saying, how blessed is the man who fears the Lord. How blessed. If your blessings are there already, you're going to have to learn to claim those blessings and to take those blessings away from the enemy. And let me, if they put it up on the screen, I want to point out the very first blessing. It says his offspring will be mighty in the land. His offspring, that's his chillin', will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Now, as Pastor Lisa said, we've got six children, all married, our 19th grandchild on the way. We like to say we're not just pro-life, we're prolific as well, baby. Come on now. And so we know about family, but we also know how Satan hates your family. He really does. He almost doesn't mind you getting saved, but he does not want you passing that down to the next generation. Oh, no. If he can stop it, he will. And I'm, I'm the product of a grandfather named Joel Ernest Stockstill. He happened to run a sawmill. And he was an estimator for timber over in Picayune, Mississippi, the hub of the universe. And my grandfather was a godly man every morning at 5 a.m. Papa would go out behind the shed and pray for an hour. Daddy watched him go out every day. Daddy backslid, went off into the military, World War II, came back, got his life right with the Lord. God called Daddy to preach. Daddy, it was in the ministry 67 years, and then Daddy taught me about Jesus and how to serve the Lord, and, and now I'm teaching my children, and then now I'm seeing my grandchildren. My Evie is going to be 13 in November, and she loves Jesus, and she's playing on the stage in worship and all of these things, and we're watching now four generations of us that have served the Lord and feared the Lord, and it's only the grace of God, because Satan would have loved to have interrupted that generational blessing, but he has not succeeded. Come on, somebody say amen. And I'm talking now to you about your family, because Satan knows the potential of your children, the power of, the, of what they can do, and you're gonna have to rise up and tell the devil to get off of your family and off of your children. Let me show you something I discovered. Maybe you've heard this. They did a study about two different men in the late 1700s. One of them you've heard of perhaps, Jonathan Edwards, the president of Princeton University. And Jonathan Edwards was a godly pastor. And then the other man that they studied was a notorious criminal named Max Juke, J-U-K-E. He was incarcerated in the New York penitentiary system for about 10 times in his life. And they, they traced the genealogy of those two men. So you got over here, you got Jonathan Edwards, godly man, president of Princeton, pastor, and they traced five generations. And they did the same with Max Juke over here. It turned out to be, you're gonna be surprised at this, about 
1,200 descendants. 1,200. Most of you in this room are going to have an average of 1,200 people who are directly descended from you. See, Melanie and I, we've already got 32 of us in our family, and we ain't even finished. We got one in the oven right now. We're not even through. But what's going to happen when they marry and have six kids and we have 200 in our family? And what's going to happen when they have four or five kids and we have, you can see how quickly you would reach 1,200 people who call you their great, great grandpappy or whatever. So when they traced Jonathan Edwards, here's what they found. One U.S. vice president, one dean of a law school, one dean of a medical school, three U.S. senators, three governors. Can you believe that? Three mayors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 60 doctors, 65 professors, 75 military officers, 80 public office holders or politicians, 100 lawyers, a hundred clergymen and 285 college graduates came from one couple, Jonathan Edwards. He preached that, that famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. When it got over here to Max Duke, look at the difference in this man. Seven murderers, 60 thieves, 190 prostitutes, 150 other convicts, 310 paupers or homeless people, 440 physically wrecked by addiction to alcohol. Of his 1,200 descendants, 300 died prematurely. Wow. That's what you call day and night. It's like a clean, beautiful river of life and a polluted stream of filth and sin and bondage and wickedness and, and generations later, they're still under that same bondage. Now you see that it ain't just you and me. This thing is gonna go for five generations. You're gonna have 1,200 descendants and what you're doing now is critical. It's so critical. You say, well, I don't know if I ought to go to church or not. The average Christian in America is going to church one, one out of four times a month at the most. That ain't good. You ain't going to influence 1,200 people in your generations just kind of casually brushing up against Christianity. Jesus wants you to be discipled and grow and, and have fruit and fruit that remains and Descendants. I tell you, I look at my little toe-headed grandchildren running around, and I think, "Yepper, I'll give it about thirty years, they're gonna be running around shaking the devil's nest and and running him crazy." Come on, somebody, see that family, and you ought to every month claim a miracle in your children and your grandchildren and your great grandchildren. Number two, and I'm just gonna touch on these, is in verse three. It says, wealth and riches are in his house. Now, I don't know the difference in wealth and riches, but they both sound good to me. Come on, how about you? 
Now, when I'm not of the brand that feels like we need 20 houses and 40 Bentley cars to drive around. You know, Jay Leno's got 75 vehicles in a warehouse. Pastor Kevin, I don't want 75 vehicles. You know how hard it is to get the inspection stickers on two? And I don't want a 50,000 square foot home. Don't give me one. If you have one, I don't want it. Because we're trying to clean the bathrooms and the floor in our little 2400 seat, 2400 square foot house, and it's all we got strength to do. Come on, how many of you say amen to that? But what I am saying is I have learned that if I will be blessed, I have the resources to bless somebody else. And if I don't have enough myself, I can't help you. It's like they say on the airplanes, put on your mask first and then put on your children's mask if there's pressure lost in the cabin. Because if you're unconscious, you can't help anybody. Well, financially, you can't be unconscious. You cannot be just barely making it and really make a difference in the world. And I've seen churches around the world that can't do anything for missions. They can barely pay their light bill. Praise God, this one is so blessed. And y'all have affected the world. You know, you gave to Surge a few moments ago. They planted 469 more churches last year. Come on, say amen. amen. And this year, and that was a church a day. This year, their goal is to plant a church an hour. And they're trying to plant almost 7,000 churches this year. Isn't the Lord good? But you can't be a blessing to something like that if you don't have your own bills paid. And so when it says wealth and riches are in his house, I think of Egypt, when they, of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, they were slaves, poor, poverty, in debt, in bondage, in a cycle of debt and bondage. But in one night, God turned that around and they borrowed the gold and jewels and raiment from the Egyptians. They just threw it at them. They said, get out of town. We don't, we don't want you here. Take whatever you want. And enough gold to build a tabernacle. And they lived off it for generations. And what I'm saying is, you're going to have to tell the devil to get off of your finances. Because he will sit there and eat you alive. He will keep your nose to the grindstone and get you, keep you so financially broke as a joke that you can't do anything for the kingdom of God. And you only live one lifetime and then you're gone. You know, my alma mater, Oral Roberts University, almost went bankrupt about, I believe it's about 12 years ago now, maybe 13 years ago. They had $50 million in debt, $50 million. Couldn't make the debt payments, couldn't make the salaries of the, all the professors. And they contacted OU, Oklahoma University, said, are y'all interested in buying ORU? Now, that's my alma mater. I mean, that, that's in Tulsa. And of course, OU wanted to buy it. And they were in the process of selling Oral Roberts University to Oklahoma University that week, the trustees met, didn't have the money to make their payroll for the first time in their history. And they got down and prayed for God to save that university. And the secretary walked in the trustee meeting and said, there's a man out there from Oklahoma City said he needs to talk to the board. 
And Oral was there, and he asked the man to come in. He introduced himself. It was David Green, the owner of Hobby Lobby. He'd never been to ORU. He was in prayer. And the Lord told him, go to Tulsa. There's a meeting. Go up to this meeting and present yourself there. I'll show you what to do. Well, when he walked in, he said, what are y'all meeting about? They said, well, we're meeting about giving the university to Oklahoma OU. He said, what do you owe? They said, we owe $50 million on uh, mortgage. He pulled his checkbook out, wrote a check for $50 million, put it on the table. said, what else do you need? They said, we need $50 million for deferred maintenance. All our buildings are crumbling and falling to the ground. He, he wrote another check for $50 million. Are y'all breathing? <laughs> and then he said, what else do you need? He said, we need $150 million for our uh, trust fund so the university can keep going. He said, I'll have to ask my family about that. He ultimately gave that. That man, David Green, gave $250 million to ORU and saved that university. It's debt-free with all new buildings and the highest attendance it's ever had in history right now. Come on, somebody, because of a man who was blessed. How many of you would love to cough and a million dollars fall out of your pocket toward a good charity that you would love to bless? Of course you would. You got the heart in you, every one of you, to do something amazing for people, but you just don't have the resources. But you begin to tell the enemy to get off your business, get off your plane, get off your finances, get off your investments. One thing people don't know about David Green, of course, he just wrote another $20 million check to Chris Hodges for their university, just walked there one day, $20 million. Man, wouldn't you love to do that kind of thing? But he prays in the spirit every Saturday at the model store in Oklahoma City, Hobby Lobby. There's no customers in that store. It's just for him. He goes every Saturday and walks up and down the aisles of a model Hobby Lobby, praying in the spirit for the Lord to show him what to do. And the Lord says, move the umbrellas over there and change the vases over to here. And he sends out word Saturday afternoon. He did yesterday, I'm sure. And they rearrange the Hobby Lobbies. They're closed on Sundays. And on Monday, they make millions of dollars off what the Spirit shows him to do every Saturday. See, wealth and riches will be in your house. And I'm just claiming that God, how many of you will raise your hand and say, I'm a candidate for that blessing right there? Come on. That's right. We're going to pray at the end of the service. Here's number three. I'm just reading Psalm 112. That's all I'm doing. It says your children will be blessed. And then it says wealth and riches in your house. But I like the third one. I don't know why, Pastor Kevin. As I read these, I thought, Is it, are these really miracles I need? But boy, do we ever need blessed relationships right now. It says he is gracious. That's the man who fears the Lord. Merciful and righteous. He deals generously and lends. You'll notice at the beginning, graciousness means an ability to forgive. Merciful is like the good Samaritan who, who was kind even to someone who was not his race or his religious affiliation or anything. He has a relational magnetism about him, this person who fears the Lord. And do you know 
that in the last two years, Satan has attacked relationships that I never dreamed he could divide. People are divided. The trending on Twitter right now, the biggest words is the great divorce. They're saying America needs a divorce. We're so divided, we're going to divorce. Some are going to move west, some east. This country's going into divorce. I said, not my country. Devil, get off of my country. We're coming back together as a nation. Come on, say amen. amen. But the enemy loves to divide. He drives wedges between you and your friends and your coworkers and your neighbors. Because if he can bring a division, he can stop the blessing. I love that verse in Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's all good, kumbaya, all that. But there the Lord commanded the blessing. If your relationships go south, the blessing lifts off your life. And so we must learn to forgive. We must learn to be merciful and to be gracious. And I'm going to just tell you something. I'm believing for a drama-free year this year. Come on, say amen. I've had about all the drama I can take. And let me tell you, most of it is on Facebook. And I'm not against Facebook. I've got a blog on Facebook. People, you know, thousands of people read that. It's like TV. I'm not against TV or any of that. But let me just tell you something. Some of you need to get your face out of Facebook and get your face back in the book right over here that we're reading out of the Bible. Because there's nothing there. People call themselves your, your friend on Facebook. Well, with friends like that, who needs enemies? Because the moment you say something, look, my, my little seven-year-old grandson shot his first wood duck last year right, out, right over here in Springfield. A wood duck. And Michael was holding that wood duck so proud. He had this funny little smile on his face. And I got a picture of it. And I posted that on Instagram. My secretary told me at lunchtime, have you looked at your account? I said, no, I never look at it. She said, you've got over 500 comments since 8 o'clock this morning about that picture. I said, oh, that's great. She said, no, <laughs> it's not great. It's the vegans from California have claimed that you are training your child to murder things and are calling for your resignation from the ministry. I thought, now here I am. I've stayed away from women for over 50 years and only been with my wife to be clean and pure in the ministry and I'm supposed to leave my church because my grandson shot a duck this morning. Get your face out of Facebook and get it back in the book. Come on, amen. We need some drama to stop. And I just implore us to believe God. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. This man who was blessed in Psalm 112, he had relationships that survived this test of time, you call somebody and say, hey man, I don't know how we got cross-threaded, but I love you and I want, to get, I want our relationship to be healed. Because that's where blessing comes. Let me move quickly to number four. And I don't actually know how long I'm supposed to preach. That's wonderful. I love it. 
So by one or two o'clock, we'll be headed out of here, not really. <laughs> but here's the fourth one, verse six. This is so good. I, I, I just get blessed myself, just, just teaching it. The righteous will never be moved. He is not afraid of bad news. By the way, CNN stands for constantly negative news. Did you know that? His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Now, all I can call this fourth category of miracles is blessed emotions. Blessed emotions. Because I'm seeing Christians cave in mentally and emotionally. They are now saying the biggest problem in Christianity now for pastors is mental health. Even pastors have committed suicide in the last five years, many of them. They did a survey about pastors, and I do Pastors University now. I, every, every spring and fall, I have about 50 pastors I'm training. And they said that in March of 2021, 29% of pastors said they would quit if they had somewhere to go. In 2022, March of 2022, that number went up to 42% of pastors said they were out of here, quit, if they had a place to go. And see, this is mental health. This is emotional stability. It's Fred Flintstone saying yabba-dabba-doo at the end of the day. It's feeling a sense that everything's okay. But I'm seeing Christians become world champion warriors. We're the ones supposed to have the peace of God. I memorized it in college. Be anxious for nothing. Philippians 4, 6. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind by Christ Jesus. Listen. I am not going to fear bad news. And all you got to do is read the news constantly to feed your fears of the future. I ain't doing it. I don't know what monkeypox is, and I don't want to hear any more about it. Can I have an amen? amen? I mean, how many things are they going to come up with now? Russia and Ukraine. Oh, my God, what's going to happen now? They're going to bomb Europe. Nuclear. No, no, they're not. Oh, my God. And it's just, it's non-stop worry, stress, anxiety. So the Lord is saying your children are going to be blessed. Your finances are going to be blessed. Your relationships are going to be healed. And fourthly, he said that your emotions are going to stabilize. Claim a miracle in your emotions. You know, back about two years ago, I took my truck in to get the oil changed. It just had 103,000 miles on it. And actually, I told Neil, my, my mechanic, he, I said, just go through the whole truck and just see if everything's good. So he did. And I went back to get it, and he had a face as long as a Missouri mule eating sawbriars on a frosty morning. I said, Neil, 
what's going on? He said, Brother Larry, you got two pistons of the eight that have just completely died. Now, it's a Ford truck, fix or repair daily. Come on, now help me out. And I said, what do you mean, bro? My truck's running perfect. He said, no. He said, take it over to the Ford dealership and check. And I did. I took it over there. They said, you got to have a new engine. I said, new engine? How much does that cost? They said, $7,500. I thought, oh, my Lord. And I didn't even call Melanie. I said, can it get home? They said, oh, yeah, you can drive it home. But it's just going to gradually die. I said, so I got home. And I sat Melanie down. I said, baby, the engine on my truck is gone. And we're going to have to replace it. You know what she said to me? Call Geico. I said, Geico, love, they fix cars that have been in accidents. They don't change out engines. She said, you need to call Geico. How many of you men know you need to listen to your wife every now and then? A lot more than we do. And so to get her off my back, I'll be very honest, I called Geico to report to them that my engine had failed. And the lady said, well, now, how many miles does it have on it? I said, 103,000. She said, uh, oh, that's too bad. said, you had a major engine failure clause in your Geico policy that would have replaced it with a used engine if you had been under 100,000 miles. Isn't that the way it always works? 103,000. I thought, oh, well. She said, but did you get an email from us about that clause expiring and all? I said, not that I remember. She said, well, let me check on it. So I'm sitting there. I, I'm just on the phone. I'm trying to think of how I'm going to get a, a used engine or a new engine or anything. And the lady comes back on the phone. She said, uh, sir, we did not send you the email reminding you that that clause was expiring at 100,000 miles. She said, so uh, when we don't do that, when we fail to do that, we're going to need to pay for that new engine. And it actually ended up being a used engine, but she said, we're going to pay for that to be put into your uh, truck. $3,500 for the used engine. I said, did I understand you right? Did you say you're paying for it? She said, yes. I dropped the phone and ran around the house like a Comanche Indian. Come on, you know what you'd be like. Like LSU just beat Alabama. <laughs> and I picked up the phone again. She said, just go to your mechanic, find the engine, and we'll do all the mechanic work. And they paid the whole thing. It was almost $4,000 they paid. Come on, somebody say a good amen. And what I'm saying is, tell the devil to shut down the bad news. And when you get a report of something that would destroy you emotionally, tell the devil he's a liar. Would you just practice that phrase, say, devil, you're a liar. Come on. That, that's all you got to say. And say, watch God turn this thing around. And your emotions will stabilize. Your blood pressure will go back down. And that's, a, that's the Lord. A miracle, but let me come to number five, and I'm, I'm landing the plane here now. We got kids that are serving God. We got enough finances to be a blessing wherever we want to go. We got relationships everywhere with good, godly people that are solid and wonderful. We got emotions that are healed, and we're not fearing bad news. 
We're off the bad news train. And I love this last one, verse 9. He has distributed freely. Talk about this same person. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. I'm calling that one blessed purpose. Blessed purpose. Did you know you can have all the other four and still not fulfill the thing God put you on the earth to do? If your kids are great, your money's great, your relationships are great, your emotions are great, but you don't ever discover what God called you to do on this planet. You've just paid a lot of bills and raised a lot of kids. Satan does not want you to enter your calling with clarity. Enter your ministry. You say, well, I'm not in the ministry. Oh, wait a minute. God has a calling. He said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and I called you or ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. And every one of you listening to my voice right now have received a gift, a Romans 12 gift, a 1 Corinthians 11, a 1 Corinthians 12 gift, an Ephesians 4 gift. There's lists of those gifts. Helps is one of them. Maybe God's called you to the ministry of helps. That encompasses so many things. The guys holding the offering baskets this morning were operating in the ministry of helps. It might be mercy. It might be taking care of poor people. It might be legacy. You might have finances and you're going to build buildings for missionaries or you're going to whatever. It might be a small group. And you're just going to take some people in your home and facilitate conversation and let Christians grow. I don't know what it is. But the interesting thing about this verse, would you, don't, would you mind putting that back up there for me one more time? The interesting thing about this verse in the Old Testament, it's quoted in the New Testament. That's unusual. 2 Corinthians 9 quotes that very verse about missions. Missions. God's got a mission for you. God's got a calling. And boy, if Satan can keep you from your calling, he's won the whole war. He lost a few battles, but he won the war. Because you never entered your calling. Last week, I buried a pastor. 71 years old. He'd been in the ministry. God saved him at, I believe, 23, called him to preach. So coming up on 50 years, he laid down at night, had some indigestion, turned over, and boom, gone. Just that fast. And here's you and I today sitting in this church. We don't know. We don't have any idea how much longer we have. We may have a few days, a few months, a few years. I don't know. 
None of us know. But I know I'm in my row where I hope. I'm preaching to you today. It'll be 70 next, next May, but until the Lord returns, I fully intend to just be doing what he's called me to do. And he called me at 16 to preach empty in a garbage can in the back of the church building. I was the church janitor, and I opened the back door of the church and walked up the step. And Pastor Kevin, the Lord spoke inside me, said, you know I've called you to preach, don't you? I didn't have my mind on preaching. I was going to be a lawyer. And I told my parents a few minutes later, God just called me to preach. Daddy said, how about this weekend? <laughs> and I preached a 10-minute sermon on the rich young ruler. And I have to admit, I was making some stuff up by the end of the message. <laughs> and then within that month, I'm walking along the sidewalk at Baker High School. And there's a girl walking in front of me. And the same voice spoke to me and said, that's the girl you're going to marry. Hey, I'm in the 10th grade. I'm not thinking about marriage. I'm thinking about basketball. And I did walk up near her to see what she looked like. She was beautiful. And that Sunday, she showed up at our church with her daddy. Baptist pastor received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, received the left foot of fellowship, and he ended up at Bethany and became our first associate pastor. And it's that girl that's sitting right on the front row there, Melanie. I did marry that girl. Come on, somebody. Here's a calling. If you don't know that, I, I, I just feel the anointing talking to you right now. I'm praying in this year the biggest miracle for you is to hear the voice of God about who you are. Now let me back up to Max Juke. and remind you about the difference in Jonathan Edwards and Max Jude. Maybe you're here this morning. You're at that same crossroads. 1,200 descendants are going to go one way or the other way. You saw the lists. You saw the fruit. And you say, I really don't know what stream is flowing out of me, a pure Jesus stream of love and Blessing and children and finances and emotions and relationships and calling. That's all out there for you. Jonathan Edwards found all of that. Or you got the Max Juke deal. Without Jesus, without hope, without God, without a purpose. It's not another boat or camp. None of that. Is your calling. I'd like you to close your eyes with me. Just, just here, sitting here, just a minute. Think about it. Which river's coming out of you and going to influence 1,200 people? Sir, ma'am, young person, if you're here and you would say, Pastor, if I turned over and died like that pastor did last week, I don't know if I'm ready myself let alone those 1,200 other people that are going to come from me. And I need to change the inner river from polluted to pure, coming out of my heart. I do want to know my calling. I want to do something for God the rest of my life. But right now, you're not sure if your sins are forgiven. Is that you? 
Hey, I'm going to look around this service. You came really hungry to get right with God. This is your moment. As I look from left to right, I can't look in every direction at once in the building, but I don't want to miss you. If God's speaking to you in your seat and he's saying, I love you, I'm not judging you, he already judged the world, judged the devil, but you're under that same judgment unless you make a decision today. And if you would say, Lord, I want to surrender to Jesus Christ, give him my life, let him change me, it, you might be a woman, like the woman at the well. You might be a young person. You're making a lifetime decision in a few moments. As I look from left to right, if that's you, and you would say, include me in the prayer that you're about to pray. Here's what I want you to do. Sitting in your seat there, without hesitation, I want you to slip up your hand high toward God in heaven and say, include me in that prayer. See your hand there, 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 there. There, all across this room, there, 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 there. There's at least 30 or 35 people in this room with your hand raised. Now you can put it over your heart. Just drop it back down, put it over your heart. That's where the river comes from. In fact, to do everybody good, put your hand over your heart. And I'm going to lead the whole group of us in this prayer. Everybody out loud. Address God this way. Say, Father... I thank you for Jesus who came to this earth, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to carry my sin, my mistakes. Today, Lord Jesus, I offer to you all of my life. Forgive me. And wash me in your blood. Set me free, Lord, from every work of the devil. I come out of darkness into your marvelous light. Change my future and my legacy. Today, may I become blessed. Now, everybody lift up both hands to the Lord like a funnel. And I'm praying over you right now before Pastor Kevin comes. I am praying for the blessing of God upon your children and your children's children to five generations. I speak the blessing of God. Your children shall be ministers, leaders, doctors, lawyers, leaders of nations, leaders of the state, leaders Everywhere you look, your children and great-grandchildren are leaders because of the righteousness in your life, and your business will be blessed and prosper, not to lay it up on this earth, but to give it and channel it to the need of the world. I speak a blessing over your finances and your business in this year, a miracle every month in your emotions, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that your fear would leave, your anxiety and stress would melt away completely, and a sense of stability in your heart 
that what the enemy means for evil, God is turning every problem around and you do not fear bad news and I loose the blessing on your relationships. That every torn relationships through misplaced or divided loyalties, I loose the healing of God upon hearts and hurts in the name of Jesus and now Holy Spirit. Loose the power of your word to call people into their particular gift in the body of Christ. Summer eyes, summer fingers, summer toes, summer hands, summer internal organs, but all are important in the kingdom of God. May they be blessed, not only this year, but moving into 2023. May this church grow. May Kevin and Lisa grow in the kingdom. May they move into their ultimate calling and destiny and purpose. May their children and their grandchildren grow into the things of God that Eagle Heights continue to circle higher and higher in the sphere of the kingdom of God. Come on, raise your hands and just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit all over the room for Eagle Heights Church. This is a lighthouse. God has made a lighthouse here. And Lord, we speak a blessing over the alignment of this church, that every member is aligned one with the other. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Come on, clap your hands and let's give God praise for a moment. I, before Kevin comes, I just had the impression to share a, a, a story I had this summer when I saw my first lighthouse up at Split Rock on Lake Superior in Wisconsin. Melanie and I drove our motorhome along the coast and we came up to this beautiful lighthouse. And I went inside and that thing was turning, the light was turning in a bed of mercury. It's perfect. Built in 1910 when they had two ships go down off the coast of Wisconsin. And they built that lighthouse. And here's the thing that touched me about it. I saw a picture. That light is made of 1,700 mirrors or prisms, 1,750, I think, that are inside the, the light. And those prisms have to be in perfect alignment. If they're out of alignment, the light doesn't hardly even get down to the bottom of the cliffs. It's 200 feet down to the bottom of the cliffs. But when they're all in perfect alignment, the light shines 22 miles. 22 miles. That's like from here to Baton Rouge. You can see that light every 10 seconds. And it's been there since 1910, every 10 seconds, there's never been another wreck on those cliffs because that lighthouse has remained with 1,700 prisms inside in alignment. And let me tell you something about this church. 22 years, this church has been a light in this Tangibahoa parish. How many of you know there's lost folks out here in Tangibahoa? Oh, yeah, like everywhere. But this church has been a lighthouse and it beams out across this area and it's because of you. You're in alignment with each other and that alignment, Satan will do anything to get, a, get the light out of alignment if he possibly can, but every Sunday we realign ourselves 
and that light boom and here we were 30 35 people gave their hearts to christ here this morning because of your alignment in the kingdom of god at this church isn't that a blessing and i just want to close by saying how much i thank god for you just being faithful to the vision you're one of the largest churches in this area really in louisiana in my mind and you're sitting here right outside of hammond but you're a lighthouse to this whole region. I thank God for you. I thank God for your pastors. And let's welcome Pastor Kevin as he comes back this morning. Everybody just say this, I receive. I'm going to ask my family to come up. I just asked Pastor Larry, would he mind just laying hands? And you, Sister Mel and you as well. We would just so much appreciate and value just your blessing on our lives as God has done so much. And we are blessed just like you. We're a few years behind you, but we are blessed. We don't have 19, but we have five grandbabies. Amen. But uh, I'm just going to ask Pastor Larry just to lay hands on us before we dismiss today. Oh, yes. Isn't this good? Everybody, let's stand up and we're going to stretch our hands out toward this family, this godly family that leads, really they, they're just over this lighthouse. They just keep this lighthouse going and keep it saving souls. Stretch your hands out toward Lord. We lay our hands on Kevin and Lisa and just thank you, Lord, for health and strength. All your word says with long life, you will satisfy them. Thank you that Kevin's light is shining across America. You're going to raise him up, Lord, and use he and Lisa in mighty ways. And their family, Lord, their children. Thank you, Lord God, for Josh's family. Oh, yes, Lord, the presence of God coming upon them and using them in a mighty way. Oh, Holy Spirit, your word says the seed of the upright shall be blessed. We thank you, Lord, for Hannah's family and Matt. We thank you, Lord, you're using them in a great way, raising them up, Lord. Let a teaching gift be upon them, the ability to proclaim the word with clarity and to minister to children and youth in a mighty way. And then, Lord God, I thank you for Caleb and his wife, the blessing of God upon them, Lord. As they've been raised up right here in this house, we thank you for the Holy Spirit coming in a double portion. That as Elijah lost his mantle to earth, Elisha was picking it up. And we thank you that all of these children are picking up a double portion of the Spirit of God that's upon their parents. And Lord, let these, as they become grandparents, let the five grandchildren or more, let all of them be blessed, Father, be healed. And, and let these parents and grandparents in the congregation watch them grow up in the house of God to serve the Lord. And we speak that blessing upon them today in Jesus' name. Come on, let's all say amen. Praise God. I feel the joy of the Lord. Anybody with me today? Hey, God bless you. And all God's people said... Amen. Good to see you in the house of the Lord.